you're listening to the full version of Getting Ahead with me, Adam Stewart. This week, I'm talking to serial entrepreneur Jeff Thomas. He's currently the co-founder and finance director of Uprise VSI. If you want someone who's been there and done it, this one's for you. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening into this week's episode of Getting Ahead. My guest this week is what some might call a serial entrepreneur. He's been there and done it with a number of successful companies. Currently, he's the co-founder and finance director of Uprise VSI. It's my pleasure to welcome Jeff Thomas to the show. Thanks for joining me, Jeff. Thanks, Adam. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, let's start off just with an introduction into who you are and your current position within Uprise VSI and what it is that they do. Uh, right, okay. Well, Uprise VSI is quite uh, quite a new company. Uh, we started off um, focused on digital marketing uh, when we established ourselves in 2012. Uh, more recently, we've um, really built in an increased focus on technology solutions that mainly fit with marketing uh, assignments and marketing projects. So uh, we're basically a, a marketing company with um, quite a considerable focus on technology as well. And uh, we're out there mainly with, uh, you know, businesses, but also some, some public sector type assignments as well. So that's what we're about. What would you classify Uprise VSI as in terms of company size? Um, do you feel like you're past the startup phase? Are you now a medium-sized company or are you starting to push the boundaries to grow even more? Well, we obviously when you start, everyone's an SME or a small company. Um, we, two of us on day one, um, as is typical in these situations, you, uh, you when you get going as a company, you look to people who you've worked with before to come and join you if possible, and and you get going. Um, I think small company really for us would be the phase one, which is when we got up to about eight or nine people. As it happened, we had um, a grant from the Welsh Assembly Government, which enabled us to then increase. Uh, the workforce up to I think it was 17 or 18 people and more recently we've done an acquisition of a small technology company and we're now 23 24 people so yeah we're still an, an SME um, but we're working with with some fairly uh, large enterprise organizations and um, you know we're certainly on our way to to bigger things so that's a quick introduction into Uprise VSI. We'll come back to them in a minute, but to begin with, I want to go back to the beginning, at least of you being within business and to your first venture. If my research is correct, I believe that was Owens, Thomas & Co., unless you you can think of anything even before that, whether it was uh, the standard of sweets in school. Tell me about how you how you got started in the world of business. Well, I think... If we talk about uh, Jeff Thompson business, I think it all began really because um, my dad was a small time builder and um, I always liked to uh, to go to work and help him. And um, I also enjoyed, you know, working and earning some money for my efforts. So uh, every school holiday that I ever had, I worked for my dad and um, I sort of was never he was a builder I was never going to be any good at 
a sort of building trade. And so I always ended up doing organizational sort of work, shipping the men to the right places, going to collect the materials and, you know, making sure that the customer was happy. Um, so that was really my first venture into or get an experience of business. And um, I suppose probably even before that, I always wanted to have my own business and I always wanted to be successful. So um, what then happened is when I left university and I worked for an accountancy firm, the logical thing for me, so I worked for an international accountancy firm called Ernst & Young and when I was thinking of what am I going to do in the future, the logical thing to do is to revert to the skill set that you've learned. So as a chartered accountant wanting to have their own business, I went and set up my own firm. So on day one, left a really good job um, and myself and a colleague um, sort of opened the doors and hoped that people would come and work for us or come and um, allow us to look after their businesses. And, um, you know, we had contacts from uh, you know the previous from from the Ernst and Young days, and um, bit by bit we built up a, a set of clients, uh, and that's really when I suppose when I started taking responsibility for the first time for my own business. Would you agree then that your 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 venture into your own company fell from you pursuing what you believe to be your own strengths rather than trying to expose? say, a gap in the market or, or trying to invent something new? Was it following what you thought you were best at? I think you're, you're spot on there. It was very much that I wanted to have my own business. Um, you know, it's only probably been over the years and the experience I've gained in business that, you know, nowadays we're much more tuned into how can we differentiate from the competition? How can we spot the gap and how can we fill it? And how can we make lots of money as a result of that? At the beginning, it was, let me be my, I want to be a boss. I want to have my own business. I'm confident that whatever I do, I can build a, a you know, a, a client base and I'll work hard and, and make it, make it pay. So, um, Yes, I don't. I don't think that we were um, following any great business methodologies. It was all just about let's be our own bosses at the beginning. Do you feel like that was a good approach to take? Looking back, would you would you still follow that path, or would you maybe look for something that might actually have a bigger market there available for you? Um, I think what you have to bear in mind is that when I came out of university in 1982. Um, and when I went to university between 1979 and sort of 81, 82, um, the, there wasn't the focus on business that there is now. So I picked up, in the course that I did at university, I picked up bits of, um, I did some business modules and you got little bits of information that sort of, if you like, you take with you into the future. But there was, you didn't go to school to learn how to be a business person. It was very early days of um, business schools. And certainly I didn't work very hard when I was in school. So, 
you know, I wouldn't have made it into one of the, the, the longer established business schools. And in those days, it's nowadays, it seems like most universities study business in some shape or form. In those days, it was fairly low key. So um, we weren't prepared for business. You had to learn it through experience. I was very fortunate because I worked for an international firm of accountants, was chucked out working with companies like BP and Bass and other um, you know, multinational companies and some smaller businesses. And you learn from people around you and you learn from experience. Um, so I didn't have much choice really. Um, albeit that I probably was born to well, I, I always felt that I wanted to be a business person, businessman, have my own business. And um, I was going to strive for that, whatever happens. You touched on it there. Let's go to university. You studied at Swansea University and your, your degree was energy studies. Looking back, how valuable was that time for you at university? And you mentioned that universities have evolved and they're starting to incorporate business a lot more as a focal point. Do you feel like university offers something completely different to, to what was available when you attended? Absolutely. When I went, I mean, first of all, you've got to bear in mind that I was, you know, I've got three children of my own who have all been, one of those has been to Exeter to do business and management. Um, you know, I've, I know what's available nowadays and it's completely different to what was available in 1979 when I was bundled off to university. I think as well that the courses have really you know, um, developed and are really focused on turning out um, or giving individuals a very good grounding in business. So I went and did energy studies because I was lazy in my sixth form studies and I was clever enough to get to university, but not to do, I, I actually wanted to do a business studies degree. And they put me on a course which um, was made up of about 50% of business studies. And the rest was on energy because they were at the at that point in time, they were realizing at some point in time, there'd be an energy crisis in the world and oil would run out and et cetera, et cetera. Um, the university experience uh, was three years, which enabled me to grow up. But I can't say that it really... Um, taught me how to be a businessman very much in truth. Um, I started really growing my skills as an entrepreneur uh, when I joined Ernst & Young. So I suppose the only thing I can say about Swansea University, it enabled me to get, to get a job subsequently, which um, sent me on my way. Now looking back from your experience, whether it's with your own children or whether it's with people that you've employed, do you feel like the business degrees available at universities do a good job at teaching people the basics of business? Or do you feel like the real world experience of whether it's starting your own business or, or working in a job is still more valuable than the degree? I think the degrees nowadays are absolutely superb. I think that uh, I'm very envious and jealous. I've followed your progress. I've followed, I've been interested in your brother's progress and I would love to go back to university. I've even looked at perhaps going to Harvard and doing one of their three-week courses. 
um, because I think you can learn so much and also you're in an environment with other people who um, challenge you, uh, both your tutors, both other individuals and it's a fantastic preparation for the future. Um, I, what I would say is that I don't think universities can, you know, the universities are brilliant, but just because you've been to university doing a business degree is not going to guarantee that you're going to be a successful entrepreneur. I think, and you would understand this, Adam, through your um, playing sport, that um, there's some sort of interesting concepts around nature and nurture. I do believe that, you know, that you do have to be born to be an entrepreneur, but you do need to overlay that with uh, all of the knowledge and skills that you can gain through studies as well. So for just by way of example, I've probably got 50 books on business that I've read over the years, which are in my house, and I from time to time use them as reference points. And um, I've been on a number of um, sessions to listen to people like Michael Porter and um, I forget the other chap, the bloke who wrote Excellence or Excellence in Everything or whatever it was called. It, it, you know, fantastic uh, reference points when you're looking to push something forward in work. Um, so I think, you know, entrepreneurial skills um, can be learnt, but um, entrepreneurs also need to be, you know, um, conditioned from birth almost to want to uh, go out there and be successful. How important is the self-education aspect, whether it's through reading or through attending other courses or even using videos on YouTube? Do you think it's vital for people nowadays to actually put the, that effort in themselves? I think for someone like myself, um, you know, we, we had a conversation before we, we came on air and you would have witnessed me struggling my, my way through Skype or, you know, getting up and running on Skype so that we could speak to each other and see each other's faces. I'm not um, the strongest person in certain areas um, and I don't believe you have to be an expert in your subject area. Uh, I've had an IT company with 150 people employed in it. We're up to 24, 25 people in the marketing company. And I'm very much the entrepreneur that runs those companies. I might be called the finance director, but I'm the person who writes the business plan and focuses on, on the strategies that are going to lead to success. And... Um, I believe that it's not the subject areas that themselves, it's actually having the business skills and the, the books and the videos and the courses all help you significantly. But you've got to bear in mind that um, I'm 56 years old now, so I've had a lot of years to do all that learning and a lot of time to experience and learn while you're actually doing the job, so to speak. So it's a combination of everything that is going to help you along the way. And 
even so there will be other individuals will be successful just purely because their genius is in their field and they've got a reasonable grasp of business i mean i was never going to be one of those i was going to be one of the ones who would jump on whatever is the hot area at the time because i think i can make some money in my business by focusing in on that as you mentioned before you went to the accounting firm ey to qualify as an accountant what was your motivation for doing that? Did you ever see a career in accountancy as a possibility for you? Why didn't you go into running your own business straight out of university? I was in in 1982 when I embarked um, when I started with Ernst and Young. I'll be honest, I was quite immature uh, as a person, and um, I literally didn't have enough life skills. I don't think at that point in time to set off and start my own business. I think, as you mentioned earlier, what do universities give young aspiring business people nowadays? And I think they probably do give you those sorts of skills so you can crack on and get on with it if you've got a brilliant idea. Um, when I, in 1982, I, I, I wasn't in that position. So I think being my big learning period was with Ernst & Young, both being seeing how other businesses do it and becoming a very good accountant so um, that gave me the confidence and the skills uh, to engage with people and also with EY you do get an awful lot of training and training in both in accountancy but also in engaging with people and spotting things that aren't right somewhere or other and you can go out and charge for your services to put them right so um yeah that was a a big step change for me and uh even though i probably was one of the weakest people academically in the year that i went to ey in terms of performance i came out as one of the highest because at the time they had a ranking system and uh i i was ranked um, the highest ranking so um, they recognized there was a bit of talent there somewhere I think so um, and equally I would say I was very determined and I worked very hard I would literally not only was I passing my exams I would literally take work home and work on it every night even when I wasn't required to do so just to make a good impression. From the time that you spent there and as you say with the additional training that's on offer you will have built up a real strength in the skill set of accountancy and finance. Do you feel like it's valuable for entrepreneurs to build up the strength in a specific area, whether it's finance or if it's in operations or marketing? Do you think having that one key strength to stand out from other entrepreneurs is something quite valuable? Or do you think that nowadays entrepreneurs can go in with wanting an overall understanding of business? Well, I think you've always got to bear in mind that you know it's you know it's not a sprint; it's it's a marathon, really, and you've got plenty of time. You know, if there's a sort of you know, and as of today, opportunity, you've got to just jump on it, of course. But in the sort of areas where I've worked, as you know, I started off as an accountant, went on, had my own accountancy firm. That firm's got seventy people in it still in Cardiff, and it's one of the 
largest and most successful uh, accountancy firms in Cardiff. I then went on into IT, went on into marketing. I, you know, I think it's useful to have a fallback skill or specialism, but as time goes on, it's more about how you get more out of other people. So, for instance, it's more important, I feel, for me now to have communication skills. It's more important for me to work with people to help uh, make them successful, to extract from those individuals the best way of doing something, an idea that will take the business forward, and also to be able to engage with the broader community, whether they're customers, whether they are um, suppliers or just contacts who help you you know help put, put you in the right direction so i think as you get older uh, and more experience you start the giving back process and so the dependence on the starting skill set becomes less important so even though i am still do accountancy stuff at various times in my various business iterations I've actually had other people doing my accounts, um, but I'm more interested in interpreting that information and focusing in on the, the pure business strategies that lead to success. You've mentioned a lot so far about how you felt like you were always destined to be a businessman, but then on the flip of that, you've spoken about the need to spend the time to learn and understand business. So I'm going to ask you the age-old question, do you feel like entrepreneurs are born or are they made? I think they're definitely born, but I think that entrepreneurs then need to nurture, uh, be nurtured and nurture themselves over their business lifetimes. So it's a combination of both is going to lead generally to success. And I've seen that time and time again in, you know, other successful or successful business people that I've met and stories that I've listened to. It's always someone who's got a burning ambition to go out there and do something. But it's just not that in itself. It, you know, you have to work very, very hard at it and to keep learning and to keep processing new information and keep expanding your knowledge base and your experiences and get interaction with other people who can help you along the way. Um, all of those things count. So it's nature and nurture, I guess. And, you know, I think that you've had experience of top sport. Um, my, I've got a couple of daughters who've played top sports. I've got a son-in-law who's been a British Lions rugby captain. They have the, their desire for success was born, but boy, those people don't half work hard uh, to get the achievements that they've realised. It is a, about a lot of hard work, however talented you are. I think, I think the Brownlee brothers would agree with that as well. I think they probably would. Let's talk about sport then. You are surrounded by it quite a lot. Even some of your customers are, are some big names in, in the sporting industry. What's the overlap that you see when you see people, whether they're transitioning from sport to business or even just high-level athletes, what are the attributes they have that really make them stand out as individuals and as 
really good businessman. Yeah, I, I, I totally, yeah, I'm totally support that view. I think that, uh, you know, top sports people de- generally are extremely determined to achieve their goals. Um, <clears throat> you know, life's not easy. You, you, you have a lot of setbacks along the way. You have to, um, you, you, you have to work extremely hard at developing a number of threads. So it's, you know, it's about, in sport, it can often be about developing stamina, developing muscle, developing psychology, sports psychology angles. It's about learning best technique. It's about working every day to to get better. And to me, that determination, that focus and that drive and the ability to deal with setbacks is what's fundamental to success in business for business as well. It's it's really no different. And um, if I helped my my own daughters in, in any way, and when I occasionally get asked for a view on something from others in my family who've been successful in sport, um, you know, it's it's about application. It's about hard work and. You know, being determined to continue and strive towards success because it will eventually come, in my opinion, if you try hard enough, you generally tend to succeed. I like how you say that really the overlap is completely there in, in how you want to succeed in sport and how to succeed in business. But what concerns me is that it's easy to pinpoint why top athletes are succeeding or or what you need to do to succeed as a top athlete but it's not always so obvious for what you need to do in business but if the overlap is pretty similar say for example with sport athletes know that if they want to get fitter they need to train more they need to go to gym more go for more runs do you feel like people don't have the same point of view when they look at business so identifying where they need to improve and then almost laying out a plan of the steps they need to take to get there Really, is it is it not exactly the same? You need to decide what to improve and then work to improve it. I think what you find is that the harder that you work and the harder that you focus in business, the opportunity for success realizes itself. So very often, you know, when I set up the company that I'm in at the moment and we, at the very beginning, we were thinking that we would, focus a lot on direct marketing opportunities. So in other words, a lot of telesales. So we'd be like a contractor telesales. We, we, we could do a little bit of digital. And once we started getting going, we realized that direct marketing was, um, you know, becoming increasingly less effective. Digital was the way forward. And um, we started, uh, you know, really looking at things like SEO, social media, and focus a lot more on content and um, building, uh, you know, interest in whatever brand we were associated with at that point in time. Um, So in other words, what I'm saying is you have to sort of reinvent yourself quite quickly and to me, that's a bit like sport. You have to, every step that you go further along towards a higher level of performance, 
you have to introduce something else in it usually to continue that upward spiral towards whatever ultimate goal you've got and so I think the harder that you try and the more that you focus and analyze on improving performance in business what tends to happen is the unexpected something comes along so if you're um, you know if you're uh, at the moment um, at Price VSI we have got a very very good booking system so that sports and leisure organizations can like a cricket club for instance can run courses and people can book online and pay online it takes all the pain out of um, taking orders over the phone or the internet and collecting the money etc but what will happen is because we're doing that at some point in time little mini verticals will come along so for instance it might be that someone who's interested in camping glamping or whatever it is you know you might find or caravanning you might find that and we've already got one of those uh, a caravan uh, site who wants to progress its business and take bookings online will utilize the software and then you're able to if you like keep mutating and developing more new business opportunities off your core business and that's exactly what happened in my IT company you know we we begin by just trying to win customers but oh, what tends to happen is you become more specialized more skills more accomplished in specific areas and then that's that that expertise in that area would lead to somebody saying well if you're doing that can you help us with this and bit by bit you get into bigger and bigger companies more specialized and the customers kind of drive the agenda a little bit so you have to be out there you have to stick your chin out it's not a case of you know, you go to university and you've got to come out there with the best, brilliant idea that there ever was. I think your life experience, your work experience is going to throw up ideas that is going to help you come up with your business in the future. And you might have multiple businesses over time like I've, I've had. And maybe there might be a few more before the end of my business days. A lot of people would say there's real value in sport in having that ultimate goal, that ultimate dream, whether it's to win an Olympic gold medal or even just to compete in the Olympics. How true do you think that is for business? Do you need an ultimate aim? And if you do, what's yours? Well, I have to say, I'm not, it's, it's not possibly what you might want to hear, but I, I love making money and making profit. So, um, you know, when you start off, it's a struggle. It's always a struggle. You've got no customers. You've got no product to sell. You develop your offering. You take it to market. You win a couple of bits of business, which enables you to get referenceability for people to start recognizing you, your brand, etc. And bit by bit, you make success. And anybody who starts a business will find to move forward and to be able to um, afford more working capital to either support higher volumes of business or investment in new ideas um, and to get 
you know, you always in business want to get better people almost than the ones you've got at the moment. That's got to be part of your goals. And um, you can only do that if you make a profit. And I'm not afraid to say I, I follow the money myself. Uh, I'm um, always looking for the, for, the, for the next business opportunity that will make me better off and have a bigger fund to invest more in the future. And um, uh, some people might say that's just greedy, but, you know, that's what smokes my boat. Um, I'm not somebody who's going to be like a Dyson who's going to come up with a fantastic idea myself. I tend to follow where the market's going and tap into where, wherever's sort of the next great thing. So, um, you know, in the run-up to year 2000, when I started my IT business, um, we recognised there was going to be some demand around year 2000 software issues. And there was a lot of activity where people were upgrading IT systems and that helped get that business going. And from that, you know, we had a really solid business that was focused in various sectors and we became uh, Sage's largest UK reseller. Uh, and, um, you know, Sage being the only at the time FTSE 100 company, IT company in the UK. So, you know, what you do is you just jump on the opportunity when you see it. And, um, you know, if you're out there and you put your chin out, as I said earlier, that you, you've got a chance of, of catching something. Now, I'm conscious that not all young people that want to be successful businessmen want to start their own company. Not everybody feels like they will have the idea or they'll they'll have the, the passion to want to start something from scratch. Some people want to be the CEO of an established business, but they still want a successful career. From your point of view, when you look to hire young businessmen, what are the most important characteristics or traits that you're looking for in these young people that for you signal that they could be successful in their future? I think there's two parts to that. The first is that you want to understand their journey so far. So, you know, what do they, what were they interested in? Like for instance, I'm, I would want to see some good qualifications You'd ideally like to see a bit of interest which aligns with the job that you're that, that's available and you, you're looking to fill. Uh, you're looking, you know, at their CV, trying to see someone who's ambitious, who's hardworking, who's going to commit to your company. Um, Brilliant qualifications in themselves is not the be-all and end-all to it because you can generally get a good person who's not necessarily got a fantastic degree and you can get a good person who's not got a fantastic degree who's um, really got other skills that are going to help you and your business. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think communication skills is really fundamental in a lot of what we do. But then in other areas, it isn't. So we've got software developers who work um, who work for my businesses who are much more likely to sort of, if you like, get their headphones on and focus on doing their coding. 
and they perhaps don't need to have the communication skills that somebody who's working as a, a consultant looking at um, developing um, a software solution where they need to understand the business requirement in some detail and they would need to be able to ask the right kind of questions to get the information that's available so it's going to depend on the sort of job you fill in but like I say, I will always look for someone who's going to add value to the business as a whole. Uh, sometimes it's somebody who's just, you know, perhaps it might be someone who's, uh, excuse the sort of, uh, but a girl Friday, someone who, you know, just is brilliant to have around the office and lifts everybody else's spirit. So um, on another occasion, it will be someone who's got pure skills in a particular area and you you don't need strong communication skills. Other times it's someone who's got a good solid base. They can learn something to a certain level of depth, but they're brilliant at engaging with other people. So it's it's not a, you know one fit for all purposes, but uh, um, I think you know depending on what the job is. What I would say is that people who come to have an interview really need to do a lot of research on your business and need to be able to have a conversation with you about what you do and why they think they can help you um, be more successful than you currently are. That's generally what you're looking for, I think. Now, the theme of these podcasts is about people going, going above and beyond their expectations in their current environment to try and pursue that ultimate aim. So what I want to know from you, Jeff, is the final question is what is your one piece of generic advice? So it's applicable to anybody, whether it's in sport or in business or something else. What's your one piece of advice for anybody to get ahead in their chosen situation? I think it's about enthusiasm. It's about desire. Uh, I think it's about every day that you turn up for work, come with a smile a willingness to learn, a willingness to listen to people, take it in and keep improving. So I don't think, I'm sorry I've answered the question by saying there's one thing, but I suppose if there's one character that sort of will always shine through, doesn't matter whether you're a, um, a sort of outward going person or you're quite introvert, but in your own way, demonstrate your passion for whatever it is that you, you're going to do for that business and um, uh, if somebody does that then generally they tend to be successful in whatever they tend to do brilliant that sounds great uh, thanks a lot for joining me Jeff if you want to find out more about Uprise VSI check out their website I'll link it up with this podcast and also make sure you keep on following Jeff if he goes on to another venture elsewhere who knows what could happen next thanks for joining me Thanks, Adam. Thanks for uh, involving me in this uh, podcast. I really enjoyed it. That was Getting Ahead with me, Adam Stewart. If you want to listen to previous episodes, you can find them on my website, adamianstewart.com, or on my iTunes feed. Make sure you subscribe. New shows coming out bi-weekly. 